0: War Room the Hockey Podcast back with you for another episode and another week. Uh, Still in the uncertain times with everything going on with the coronavirus, but we are um, bringing you content nonetheless. Uh, This week, War Room the Hockey Podcast, episode 49, we are going to kind of discuss kind of anything that really comes to mind this week. Not really a whole lot of structure to this one, just simply because there's not a whole lot of content to be covered at the moment. But one thing that we... uh, we will be covering um, will be uh, kind of a, a fun little uh, don't know if it's a game but a fun little uh, take on uh, past NHL entry drafts and uh, kind of the redraft process. Uh, anybody who follows on social media has seen at least one or two posts regarding uh, recent draft years uh, starting in in two thousand three. Uh, we'll recap that that one uh, on the episode this week. Uh, we will also cover the 04, um, 2004 entry draft as well as the 2005 entry draft. Um, the 2004 draft being Alex Ovechkin, and the 05 being the lockout year. Um, uh, following the lockout year, uh, with Sidney Crosby going number one. So, uh, we will cover those today. Um, have mm-hmm. a little fun, fun with that and then, uh, cover anything else that comes to mind. So, uh, before anything, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, make sure you're uh, following along on Apple podcasts and Spotify. First of all, I should say, uh, then hit the subscribe button. Make sure you rate and you, re- and you review, uh, make sure you head to f- Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Uh, unfortunately, I don't post a lot on, uh, as much as maybe I should on Twitter, uh, but you can find us on Twitter as well. Uh, That's warm hockey podcast on Facebook at warm hockey podcast on Instagram and at war hockey on Twitter, www.warroomhockey.com. That is www.warroomhockey.com is the website as well, where you can also uh, find the latest episodes of the podcast. Uh, we also have our developmental hockey uh, podcast, which falls under the War Room Hockey Podcast umbrella, but it is um, a way to separate the content and keep things less jumbled for everybody. That uh, that episode will drop on Thursday, um, which is tomorrow, based from the from this episode, and uh, as well as a personal project of mine with my wife, uh, we are uh, starting our own podcast called the blessings of life. And once that all gets sorted out, we will be recording and posting our first f- episodes. So find that very, very soon on Spotify, Apple podcasts, and, and anywhere you can find podcasts and make sure you're following along with me personally on Instagram at Evan Rower, uh, where I will, um, be posting the content for The Blessings of Life, uh, being a family, uh, relationship, life, faith-based uh, podcast. Um, it makes sense to do it on my personal page where I post personal posts about my, my wife and my my marriage and my life and and my family and all those things. So look out for that as well, The Blessings of Life podcast with Evan and Carly Rauer. Um, make sure you are ready and uh, willing and able to subscribe and, and follow along with that as well. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but this week, episode 49 of War Room the Hockey Podcast, we are covering kind of the redraft, just for fun, uh, covering past NHL entry drafts, and then going through our version of the redraft process, where uh, X amount of years later, where uh, where do we see certain, uh, certain players uh, being selected if the draft were to be redone so look settle in enjoy this week's episode the redraft process uh episode 49 of in the hockey podcast thank you again for your patience um through everything thank you again for um continuing to tune in continue to support uh again we say this at the end but i'll say it at the beginning as well our listeners are the driving force behind what we do we can't thank you enough for continuing to tune in no matter what uh what's going on in the world um with the current situation especially uh so we appreciate um your patience through all the technical difficulties we've, we've experienced over our time and through um this cur- current uh COVID-19 coronavirus situation so settle in and enjoy this week's episode of War Room the hockey podcast <laughs> Hockey Podcast episode 49 this week, uh, covering the redraft process amongst a couple other things. Uh, real quick, um, quick update for you as we get, get started here. Um, I'm sure at this point, um, anybody who loves the game and knows the game, follows the game has seen this, but they're, um, the league and the Players Association are adamant that they do not want a shortened or even a real delayed season next year. Um So some solutions that have been floated so far that that we have heard um, have been the elimination of uh, the All-Star break and the elimination of the bye week uh, for the 2021 season so that teams can uh, get 82 games and get uh, a a full season in uh, following this whole uh, virus situation. So uh, whether that... that, um, changes or eliminates the throw the dart at the board type playoff (laughs) situation that they've floated as a solution. I don't know. Um, but the, uh, the reports are that they are 100% not on board with a shortened or extremely delayed 2021 season, which I'm all for. I agree with me too. Um, so, in that regard, um, I kind of like the idea if they stick with it of eliminating the bye week and the All Star break, um, especially the bye week. Um, you you can take or leave the All Star break for the the sh- <laughs> glitz and glamour and kind of the the fun and the show of it, um, but the bye week I've been adamant needs to disappear anyway. Yeah, but were, were, were we talking about that on the show last week or was it on our just on our own time that?
1: When all this virus nonsense hit, that all of a sudden people are wishing, boy, I wished I'd love to have that bye week back right well, now. Well,
0: exactly, because if you think about it, if, there's, if they had the bye week back and they played, and there was no bye week for all the teams. That's three or four, three or four games, games. games. Yep. for each team out of the twelve remaining games of the season for the nineteen twenty season that th- that have been played. Now all of a sudden you have a bye week for every team, and each team has twelve plus games remaining the season. Right. And now it creates a big a disparity, which now makes people, now makes the league want a throw the dart at the board type playoff situation as a solution because well that's the only fair way to do it because Chicago, Chicago's Chicago's only two points out and they yeah. got it they got to have a chance right so we don't have time for anything else so all these teams are now allowed to technically compete in a quote-unquote playoff and it but if you eliminate the bye week all of a sudden now you got games played and and you're maybe not looking at that situation so
1: so i i don't remember if we mentioned this or not but if in in no matter what you do if you change the playoffs to three games or including more teams or whatever you change from the way it's been set up 82 games then best of sevens for four rounds any change to that at least in the first round if not the first two rounds 50 percent of your guys are going to be angry whoever loses is going to think the system sucks whoever wins is going to think that was a really good idea pretty pretty simple yeah.
0: so anyway that's the update on the current uh the current uh season suspension for the nhl um we we uh, I, we'll talk about it again um, each week. We've started putting out a developmental hockey podcast episode. Um, we'll mention that when uh, we do mention that. Excuse me. Um, in this week's episode of our developmental podcast, but um, the CHL has officially canceled, and uh, everybody's done right. Pretty much everybody every but the NHL is done. Every, yeah. every junior league, uh, the NCAA. Um, all these uh, different leagues and these different uh, sides of things are now no longer suspended or postponed. They are officially canceled. The only one left standing is the NHL. Um, we'll you know t- we'll I... touch more on this on the CHL. You'll hear us touch more, excuse me, um, in our developmental podcast um, about the CHL officially canceling things. Yep. But um, every hockey league, I believe, if I'm correct, um, has officially canceled and the only one left standing is the nhl um, which makes you wonder how long are the, is the nhl going to wait before they just cancel so a lot of things up in the air right now but the nhl is the only one left standing in in limbo um so d- just throw that out there because but that's the update um so much at stake in there's a lot in the at NHL. stake not just not just the stanley cup And everything, but also um, money and billions of dollars, um, potential uh, salary cap for next year, and just a bunch of things. So, a lot in limbo. Uh, We will update you, whether it be through the podcast or social media as more news comes to light. Um, Also, uh, I want to make note of it now before I forget, as a way to just kind of mentally remind myself. um, You'll also hear a quick mention um, in the developmental podcast um, of the uh, North Vancouver f- player who was just granted exceptional status in, for the WHL. Right. Um, I, w- I want to say that now so that I can mentally remind myself to m- mention him, uh, um, in our developmental podcast. Um, yep. So,
1: definitely, it's the first player ever in WHL history.
0: First player ever in WHL history, status. and he he's been granted exceptional status to play, um, at 15 years old. Again more on it in our developmental podcast um but 15 year olds only grants you what five games max at the whl level or what's or how does that that work five Um, games i believe yeah but uh, congratulations to him right now Uh, and we'll you'll hear us touch more on that um in this week's developmental podcast as well but congratulations to him 15 years old the first in WHL history to be granted exceptional status. So you'll hear his name and some more on him, uh, in tomorrow's developmental podcast episode. So anyways, uh, we are transitioning this week. We're going to try and keep things a little lighter, um, smile and laugh a little bit, keep things a little lighter. We're going to do, uh, go through the O three, O four and O five drafts, um, and do our version, uh, cause we've been seeing it go around a little bit, but we'll do our version of the redraft process. Um, and as well as talk, um, you had a cool idea to talk a little bit about um, the need. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but the need for um, villains in the, in the game. Correct.
1: What sells better than a good villain? I mean, you, and you know this from your days as a wrestling fan, like who, who brings people out of their seats more than someone you absolutely hate. And yes, I, you know, I get it. I don't, I'm not saying you need to like these guys or dislike them, but you maybe the best selling point in the game right now is Matt Kachuk. Mm-hmm. Good kid, good hockey player. Brady's the same way. Good boys, raised right, love the way they play. But wow, is it fun? Is it good theater when Matt Kachuk and, and Matt and Jack, Get the Cassians confused. Matt Cassian, go at it. When Matt Kachuk and Drew Zach, Doughty, Drew go Doughty, at it. Yeah. I mean, you, everybody has those games circled on their calendar, from the players on out to all the fans. People are on the edge of their seat, and you get the same thing with Milan Lucic, uh, when when he was playing more, you've got it all. I mean, it's Brad Marshan versus the world. Anytime there is a player that you love to hate, Tom Wilson, it it brings out the greatest. I mean, if you if you get a playoff series again where Wilson and Ryan Reeves are, are squaring off every night for seven games, how much fun is that? Like the nothing sells better than a villain, and I really want to see the villains come back to the game because there was a lot of there was a long time when it just wasn't there and and right now you can count them all on one hand
0: yep. most teams don't even have a good villain anymore well let alone four or five of them hockey's the one sport too where um, two villains going at it against each other because technically based on that talk you could say Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson are both villains yes. right uh, it's the one sport where two villains going at it works um, <laughs> well, if you yeah, going like at it from if you're going at it from a wrestling perspective if you have two villains facing each other the crowd doesn't know who to cheer or who to boo different comparison right it is but i'm just saying i I'm, love I, my villain i I'm, hate your villain i'm just saying that the the difference there of villains in sport you know where it is in hockey because it's it's yes it's different i know but in hockey you can have two villains go at it and it brings excitement right oh yeah the, the comparison because you mentioned it that's the only reason I compare it is that in wrestling you have two villains go at it now the crowd doesn't it has a struggles of who to cheer and who to boo you have to cheer one and if one villain's getting cheered all of a sudden in wrestling perspective anyway now all of a sudden that changes things because storylines and context to things has built around this person being a bad guy yeah, and now you're cheering him in this situation which which defeats the purpose so hockey is unique in that way because two two quote-unquote villains and we say villains they're not real villains in real life i'm sure they're wonderful people but on the ice two villains can go at it and it brings excitement and does and it accomplishes the goal so yeah there's just no question that it has nothing to do with what the guy
1: is like personally because most of the guys that that i've known my entire life up to now, the you know the Bob Proberts of the world and the Joey Kosers and Wendell Clark's and the toughest, nastiest guys, the guys with the meanest elbows in the game, were the the very same guy that you would love to have living next door to you because they're gentle, they're giants, and they're and they're wonderful. Every single one of them don't know a bad one in the bunch, but that doesn't mean that when they when they go on the ice that you're going to you're going to think about how, what a wonderful guy they are. Anyway, I think... Villains need to that, come back a little bit. Oh, right? my I goodness, think we do they both ever? agree on that, yeah. And here, and the difference being, not just a villain, but let's say that you are a Kings fan or an Euler fan, and you, you've got it circled on the calendar when the Flames come to town and Matt Kachuk is on the ice against your guys. Not only... I mean, it's one thing if... I don't know. Pick a guy. It's one thing if you're Cody McLeod years ago, who I just I used I love Cody McLeod, wasn't on the score sheet a lot. Matt Kachuk, a lot of times at the end of the night, you'll say, "Well, he knocked the crap out of my guy," and he had a goal and two assists. I hate that guy. What what is well, now, and the and, and context
0: so, of villain is changing. Right. Because Cody McLeod back in the day was a villain and you knew what he was going to do. Right. You knew right. he was out there against your top line. He was out there to stir, to stir shit up. But uh, the villain now is, OK, you're going to stir shit up. But you but also Tom Wilson can score you a hat trick. Exactly. If he wants to. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's kind of a, it, a triple threat in that regard of like, wow, he can hit, he can fight and he can produce. And so if he's it,
1: hurting your team then you you're slapping yourself in the forehead going anyone but that guy, not uh, that guy. Well, so
0: it's it's a unique situation. Uh, I think we both agree villains at least in some contexts need to uh, come back in the game.
1: Absolutely. So, um, Bring back the guys that you love to hate.
0: You also did you also told me before we started the recording that you uh, started a uh, a what was it a cost comparison <laughs> on on the good and the bad of of uh, what... I'm jumbling it here, but the good no. and the bad of the production of players and what the, and
1: what they're paid or whatever? Well, stop me when this sounds familiar, but, you know, I get uh, I'm a little bit bored lately and I never stray far from the business side of the game or the business side of anything. So I'm just thinking to myself, the uh, talking about the guys who produce the most, and this is purely points. This isn't like, I didn't look at face-offs one or shot blocks or anything else. And I I would, I'd like to do it with minutes on ice, uh, with time on ice uh, as a, as a comparison. Also, all I did was points, purely with points per goal, uh, per dollar. So I had to throw out on the on the bad side of this, you have to throw out the guys that have been injured. So a guy making six million a year and he's played nine games before he busted his ACL, he doesn't count. The guys that do count are the ones who have played all year, and aren't still aren't producing. So they're getting paid a lot to have you know four goals and nine assists. But the the ones that you love to have, and they're most of them are entry level guys. Some of them are are retreads, but most of these are entry-level guys that are really getting big production. And this is what you and I talk about a lot in the last 48 episodes is getting mileage and getting production out of your low-dollar guys on entry-level deals. You got four guys on ELCs in in your lineup every night that are playing top minutes and producing now you're beating the cap game. Now you can make a bad decision here and there and not kill yourself cap-wise. But <clears throat> anyway, top player in the league on a the most points per dollar spent, Elias Petterson in Vancouver. Is he, is he still on his ELC, though? Yes, he is. He's got a new deal that doesn't start a,
0: until next year. He's making less than a million. But he okay. So but he already, he's already signed his new deal though. Yeah. That doesn't start till so he's still on his ELC. But his new deal that he signed start. Yes. He's already signed a new deal to he's, start next year. He starts his RFA deal next year. Okay. Matt, well, I asked because I was just curious if if that was a valid guy to use who's still ELC, young enough in in the league to. Well, but
1: the, the comparison is, is what they're making this year, regardless if they've re-upped already or if they've got a year and a half left on their entry level, or if they've already signed the RFA that kicks in next year, or no matter where they are in their contract, it's whatever their AAV is for this season. And the points produced
0: on that. This position coming to play for you on that? It didn't for me. Uh, cause I, and- I asked, cause I would say, I would say, despite the injuries, I'd say kill McCarr would be, Number would be eight. a high would be a high value guy in that regard. In number, regard to this context, just yep. as a defenseman who can produce the way he has with the injuries he's faced and being in his technically his first full year and all this. Stuff, yeah, so. he's he's played
1: eleven fewer games than
0: Quinn Hughes, and they've
1: got a, a pro, the, the same point total, well fifty and fifty three, but yeah, he's number eight. So Patterson is the best value per point in the league. Okay. Matt Barzal, Andrei Svechnikov in Carolina, Anthony Sorelli in Tampa, who is <laughs> just having a monster year, Quinn Hughes, that's two in the Vancouver lineup, Alex DeBrinket still, still producing tons for his entry-level contract at $778,000 a year, DeAngelo, the I defenseman in the, on the Rangers, having a killer of a year, then Makar, one of the most underrated players in the uh, entire league, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Victor Olofsson in Buffalo had some injury trouble, uh, missed like, 15 games. Connor Garland in Arizona and the Kubali kid who we talked about a couple of weeks ago in Chicago, killing it, uh, 30 goals so far this year, making under a million, all these guys are making under a million dollars. Clayton Keller, Brady Kachuk, Nick Suzuki, Robert Thomas in St. Louis, Sam Girard, your boy Sammy Girard in Colorado, Tyler Ennis having a real good bounce back in Edmonton, Adam Fox in the Rangers. And this is why it is no surprise why Vancouver's in a playoff spot, the Rangers are sniffing around, Chicago's sniffing around, Edmonton. All these guys, every single one of these players, with the exception of Olafson is on a team that is either in or, or close, close to the it, playoffs. Yeah. Tom Shabbat, rounding out the top 20 Tom Shabbat in Ottawa.
0: I'd be curious to do it, and and it's a, a lot of fluctuation with it, but I'd be curious to see it with um, plus minus. Yeah. Um. That's only, only because, and this is where, yes, I'm going to be a little biased here, only because I'd be interested to see where Ryan Graves falls for you. Oh yeah, without no with Cuz he leads the league in plus minus. And this is technically technically his first full NHL year. Well, let me tell you. So uh, I mean uh, so I'd be th- curious to see what his value would be That's in that a, regard.
1: That's a great question and I'll tell you that he is in the entire league in the 700 and some odd guys, he is number 40 in points per dollar. Number 40. He's making uh He's making 7.35, and he's got nine and 17 for 26 points. He's, he's right there. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi having a good year for his value. Robbie Fabry, another tremendous project from, from Detroit. And as we saluted Doug Armstrong for trading him away where he could play Derek Grant, we talked about love Derek Grant. (laughs) These are guys that you just have to have, um, and yet the more of these guys, you Vince Dunn on this list, oh my goodness. And, and, you know, amongst the guys who are good value for their, for their points and uh, they've also make the villain radar, Jake Vertanen in Vancouver, another Vancouver Canuck, mm-hmm. yep. Tyson Jost doing well for his value. So anyway, that's, that's what you've got to have. It's, um, it's fun to see what you're getting for your money. And I'm always, yeah. I'm always looking at that, but uh, let me, let me go through a couple of these on the
0: other end of it. That are, that are, that are, are producing, making more money than what they're producing yeah, or whatever. They're producing. FA. Before you, before you do, I want to say this because I'm, <laughs> okay. sh- I'm sure if I know you, you're going to, his name is included. If I know you and, and all that. But one, Let's one thing that I, I, one guy I think gets an unfair rap simply on career points. He has almost 900 career points, which is saying something for the, for the criticisms that we both have thrown his way and that he he gets in the hockey community. Ilya Kovalchuk. Yeah. Almost 900 career points. Yep. You got to at least applaud that. He's, yeah. he's had a... Even if he's gone to the KHL, even if he's done these things, even if he's had down years or whatever, he's not only been... A consistent guy in in the game of hockey, but he's also hundred and twenty points shy of a thousand for his NHL career, and that is with that's with a three or four year gap going back to the K. So I I got to at least show him at least some respect that he's been able to. Well, that's a good pickup. He's number thirty four to put in this year. To, to be able to put him in that himself in that position. So I think he I, I think he's to the point in his career where where he shouldn't be making as much money as he is. Well, he's not. But he, for almost 900 career points, being a guy that was the captain of the Atlanta Thrashers back in the day yeah, and, and all this career. stuff, he's he's no his question. longevity here has been tremendous in my opinion. So I I got to at least applaud him on that. So here's the, here's the top guy, and that's a good pickup. Uh, that's a, and and you're right,
1: I wouldn't normally have given him the credit, but he's number 34 for production per dollar. Good uh, good bounce back for him, and yeah, he shouldn't be making much anymore, but he's not. Anyway, I think what scared him the most is that if he got sent to the AHL, he was going to be making $70,000. When he played in the NHL, he made more than that every payday. Mm-hmm. So the top guy, or the bottom guy, I guess I should say, uh, bottom guy amongst players who have played the majority, uh, nearly the entire year, missed a dozen or so games, Justin Abdulkader has three assists all year.
0: Well, is that an Abdulkader thing, or is that a Detroit thing? Because Detroit is just abysmal. It's exactly what it is. Or is it both?
1: (laughs) That's why I said yes, it's exactly that. Um, Adam Larson, miserable year for his money in Edmonton. Same deal making four uh, over 4 million bucks. He has a, a goal and five assists. Uh, Franz Nielsen, not exactly tearing it up and oddly enough, another red wing. <laughs> Imagine that nine points on the year. Um, you can't be a fan of, I, I mean, I, I like Ryan McDonough, seven, six, uh, 6.7 is overpaying for 12 points. I know he doesn't get paid to to light the score sheet because he's a good, good stay-at-home guy. Um, McDonough having a tough year, uh, point-wise anyway. Cody CC, Johnny Boychuk. Now you get into a lot of defensemen here, which is understandable. These guys are not uh, in their defense. They're in their defense, they're not paid to to light it up. So you got to take out some of these. One of the guys, here's one that you just cannot overlook, though. Played every game this year, making a... Boatload of money, has 18 points, P.K. Subban. What is going on there?
0: Well, he's transitioning, unfortunately, and in, in, I think for a guy making the money he makes, he needs to spend. Our favorite goalie was the one who initially said this, but he's he needs to spend less time Um <laughs> posting cute videos on Instagram with Lindsey Vaughn yeah. and f- and yeah. focus on on being a leader in the New Jersey Devils locker room and yep. being a guy that can help turn that team around and produce and and play at a level that is worth 9 million dollars a year and he's just not doing it. No. And on- I, and I'll like you like to do all the time I'll I'll say this and then I'll pause so that you you can tell me i'm right you know if if you know if if it if, if I, it suits you but i'd like to give you the I've, opportunity but, to but do i've that. been saying but and and here's what i'll do and then i'll pause for you i've been saying for how long now that there's an issue with pk suban he great in the community fine but he for his hype and everything he's the first man out in montreal then when when things aren't working He's the first trade piece and the first man out in Nashville. And now what's going on in New Jersey, I've been saying it from the beginning that great guy in the community or not, there's a toxic nature to him in the locker room and, with, and around other players and things. I've been saying it all along, and right now it's looking like I was right. Wait, pause for effect. I can't
1: argue with you. I, I don't know if you're right but I can't confirm or deny. So I I would say based on the evidence, yeah. Here's another one talking about that kind of stuff like is it coincidence or is it not?
0: Follow Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne. Follow but again Matt Duchesne, pause pause to let you say whether I was right <laughs> or not because anybody who's been listening the past 48 episodes knows that I'm not, I'm not trying to unfairly completely bash Matt Duchesne, but He's an overhyped guy, and it and he's an issue in the locker room is because it's problem. not it. Yep, Could. can't confirm or deny. Fine, but yeah, I, I you can't say I'm wrong either. Well, this is where, and and nobody would say it. I don't think right
1: now who's active. When you're talking about guys who have retired, and this is why some of the players' podcasts are so popular. They give a perspective that goes inside the room that coaches don't have, GMs don't have, maybe only the trainers would be a better interview than an ex-player because those guys hear everything. They get it all. Now, what they'll spill, I I would have to respect that. But yeah, here's another one for you that may be coincidence. Taylor Hall, New Jersey turned it around after they peddled him. I, yeah. Arizona kinda went flat after they picked him up. Like I I have no axe to grind with Taylor Hall or PK or anybody I else. I got no like, axe
0: to grind with Matt Duchesne. Or Matt Duchesne, but, for sure. But, but my point with the my, evidence is hard to The argue evidence with. is hard to dispute because my point and I'll use Matt Duchesne as the example because I know a lot about him through his time in Colorado. Matt Duchesne is a guy who um let, let's count it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12. He's in his 13th year, NHL year. Okay. Matt Duchesne, he's in his 13th year. Wow. His 13th Where did season. that time go? Let's count it. One, one. He In 13 years, he's had one 30 goal season. Yeah. Now, well. that's my point. That's my whole point here. Now, he's close to 600 career points. Good on him. Okay? He did tremendous in his time in Columbus after he left Ottawa. Really helped push that team into the playoffs and into a competitive situation. Indeed. Good on him. Okay? He, But for a guy who's drafted third overall to come into Colorado and be the guy, he's overhyped. Yep. 130 goal season in 13 NHL seasons he comes into Colorado and all of a sudden there's issues with with him and Ryan O'Reilly all of a sudden there's issues in the locker room all of a sudden now like Colorado's 48 point season there's more at play than just one thing or one person there's more at play to that 48 point season than just simply a, not playing well There's bad bounces. There's different things like that. There's more at play. There's more at play with Matt Duchesne, but it's
1: a body of work. He's
0: there for the 48 point year. Then all of a sudden he gets traded to a team that the year before was one game removed from the Stanley Cup final. And then he he steps into their locker room and they finish in last place. Come on. And now all of a sudden, and now all of a sudden, and again, my point is there's more at play than this, but I'm using it, but he's involved. Then he gets traded to Columbus and he, he helped in Columbus because again, I'm convinced that in Columbus, he wasn't relied on as the guy, right? He gets brought into Ottawa to be the star. Same as Colorado line center comes into Columbus. He's not the guy. He's a second line center in Columbus. He's he's around Panarin and Zingle and Dubois and all these guys and Atkinson. He's not the guy which helped. Okay. Now he goes to Nashville and he's not required to be the top line center in Nashville. But again, it's to me, it's not a coincidence mm-hmm. that he comes into Nashville and now Nashville is struggling to make the playoffs. Yeah. So well, I, there's,
1: there's a lot of that around, could be circumstantial, we don't know. And like I said, you're not in the room, so you don't know if it's a, if it's a chemistry thing. But the evidence on the ice is uh, pretty hard to argue with. Amongst the forwards, among forwards, in addition to abdocator, throw out the defenseman, throw out the injured. The Probably the most troubling contract is Jeff Skinner's $9 million in Buffalo for 23 points. Missed a dozen games but wow he is he is definitely part of that problem anyhow that's the that's the business end of it um, not much point in beating that any further but nope. that's uh,
0: it's a cool statistic to look at and a cool thing to look at for you know value overall value based on on what you're doing on the ice so it's it's a cool thing to look at but you know you got to look at everything that way it doesn't yep. matter what you're doing anyhow Sorry. um transition let's transition and um we gonna take a break or are we going right to the draft we can take it we can take a quick break we'll we'll take a quick break we'll be right back with you uh, kind of lighten the mood a little bit and and kind of have a little fun a little back and forth and a little fun on, on uh, a couple of the of previous NHL entry drafts and uh where w- things might fall if it were to be redone so we'll It'll be, be right back we're in, in the hockey podcast episode 49 And we will be right back with you. podcast episode 49 the redraft process here to keep things light uh, as well as keep things moving a little bit so um, first one we're looking at is 03 uh, real quick I want to go through um, how the 03 draft originally looked, how it looks from from uh, the selections um, Pittsburgh had the first overall pick um, St. Louis had the 30th pick just to bookend yep. it a little bit St. Louis, Pittsburgh uh, drafted Marc-Andre Fleury first overall Eric, Eric Stahl went number two to Carolina Nathan Horton to Florida at number three Columbus took Nikolai Gerdev at four Buffalo took Thomas Vanek San Jose Milan McCulloch Nashville Ryan Suter Atlanta Braden Coburn Calgary Dion Phaneuf Montreal Andre Kostitson Philadelphia Jeff Carter the New York Rangers, Hugh Jessman L.A. Kings, Dustin Brown, Chicago Blackhawks, Brent Seabrook, Islanders, Robert Nielsen, uh, San Jose Sharks, Steve Bernier, New Jersey Devils, Zach Parise, Washington Capitals, Eric Fair, Anaheim Ducks, Ryan Getzlaff, Minnesota, Brent Burns, uh, Boston Bruins, Mark Stewart, uh, Edmonton Oilers, Mark Antoine Pouliot, Vancouver uh, Canucks, Ryan Kessler, Philadelphia Flyers, Mike Richards, Florida Panthers, Anthony Stewart, the Los Angeles Kings had 26 and 27, and they took Brian Boyle and Jeff Tambellini. Anaheim Ducks, uh, number 28, took Corey Perry. 29, Ottawa Senators, Patrick Eves. And 30, St. Louis, Sean Bell. That's how the draft is in history, uh, because obviously there is no redoing it. Um, so here's who you want to throw out. Here's, yeah, here's, I want to hear how you did it. Because then I'll list my my okay. redraft for I'm, it and see if I'm it giving Nathan Horton a pass
1: because I saw him as a junior player and he was the eighth wonder of the world. He was a goal scorer. He was he was a a lighter version of Eric Lindros. He was that big and that good. But about nine concussions later, he's played a couple of hundred NHL games. Injuries for Nathan Horton. Throw take out Nick Zierdev. Milan McCulloch had a very questionable career. <clears throat> the rest of these guys were perfectly good. I mean, Vanek's still around. Fleury and Stahl, great. Ryan Suter, Coburn, Feneff, uh, Jeff Carter. You're going to have to subtract Andre Kostitson in Montreal. He, that way he was a bust. Hugh Jessman, I don't think ever played a game for the Rangers. Dustin Brown, Seabrook, fine. Robert Nilsson knocked around for a while taken from the, the islanders steve bernier never amounted to much from san jose for a first rounder parisi eric fair had a long career gets burns no no excuses there they fantastic nhl careers mark stewart had a had a very strong career pouliot in edmonton never saw him ryan kessler tip of the hat mike richards anthony stewart brian boyle Jeff Tambellini never, uh, he, he didn't belong in the first round. Corey Perry absolutely did, was a steal at the bottom of the round. Patrick Eves had a good career. Sean Bell never showed up.
0: So, yep, that's about the same as me. Um, I'll go, I'll run real quick because this, is, 03 is the one draft so far that I've posted on social media, so it's already out there. Um, so I'll run through real quick on my redraft process including the names that I've pulled from later rounds. Okay. Uh, Just for the sake of keeping things moving a little bit, I'll, I'll name them. You tell me if you agree or not. Yeah. Not only on the name, but where I have them seated. Yep. Okay. Uh, So redraft process, Pittsburgh, uh, taken first overall Patrice Bergeron. Wouldn't argue with Bergeron being anywhere in the top five for sure. I moved him up. He was originally the 45th pick in the second round. Um, I moved him up, uh, not only to the first round, but based on his career, based on things, I have him first overall. He's the steal of many drafts, not just 0-3. Uh, number two, Carolina Hurricanes, I have, uh, f- moving up from the 49th overall pick, them taking Shea Weber. Yep, no argument there. Uh, three, uh, Florida Panthers, I have taken Marc-Andre Fleury. Four, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, I have taken Ryan Getzlaff. Five, Buffalo Sabres. I have taken Corey Perry. Got it. Six, San Jose Sharks. Zach Parise. Good pick. Seven, Nash- Nashville Predators. I have Brent Burns. Yeah. Eight, Oh um, three. There was no Winnipeg, so it's technically Atlanta right. at that point. Um, but it's Eric Stahl. Nine, Calgary Flames. Brent Seabrook. 10, Montreal Canadiens, Ryan Suter. 11, Philadelphia Flyers, Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter, I had kept at number 11. Mm -hmm. 12, New York Rangers, Ryan Kessler. 13, LA Kings, I kept Dustin Brown at 13. 14, Chicago Blackhawks, Dustin Bufflin. Ah, okay. I moved him up from the 245th pick. Yeah, he dropped almost completely out of this draft. Yep. Next, uh, New York Islanders, David Backus. Moved, second, moved him up from the from, from the second the round. Second round. Yeah. San Jose Sharks are next um, at sixteen. I have them taking Corey Crawford. Oh, there you okay? Yeah. New Jersey Devils, seventeen. I have taken Brian Boyle. Eighteen, Washington Capitals. I have taken Dion Phaneuf. Anaheim Ducks are next. Uh they took Eric Fair. I kept him there. Mm-hmm. Or not kept him there, sorry. Um, but I have uh, Anaheim taking Eric Fair. Minnesota's next. I have them taking Nathan Horton. Boston, Mark Stewart, so I kept him there. Yep. Edmonton, Mike Richards. Vancouver, Braden Coburn. Philadelphia, Patrick Eves. Florida Matt Carl I moved Matt Carl up la Thomas Vanek then la again Jimmy Howard okay Anaheim Steve Bernier Ottawa Milan McCulloch and St Louis Robert Nielsen well I would take I would that's th- my redraft of of the o3 draft I didn't I didn't prepare this top to bottom, but
1: there are a couple of guys in there that I would drop out of that draft. I would
0: that I listed?
1: Yeah. I, at the bottom of the of the bo- uh, at the bottom of the round, I would absolutely have Mark Mathot.
0: Mark Mathot, yeah.
1: He he fell to the sixth round. I would probably throw in my old pal and partner, Kyle Quincy. <laughs>
0: partner. You taught him everything he <laughs> taught knows. Him everything Maybe that's he why he's knows. no longer in the league, huh? <laughs>
1: Oh, I, on au contraire, that's why he lasted as long as he did. Mm, okay. Just ask him okay. now on the golf course. No question. Uh, <laughs> the other guy that I would put in the top in, in, at least in the middle of the first round is Joe Pavelski. He went to the seventh round, uh, to San Jose. He was an, he was a steal. Yep. Um, you know, Kyle Brodziak's not a first rounder, but he had a, he had a pretty decent career. And of course you got big buff out of the bottom of the draft completely out of the bottom. And, and he was, um, there's nobody that wouldn't have wanted him for the last 15 years, but that's probably about the end of it. Uh, for that year. Yeah, yeah I think so. I mean, you, you've got a bunch of guys that fell to the bottom of the draft, uh, the last two or three rounds like Pavelski and, and Bufflin and Mathot, uh, Kyle Quincy, they had strong careers, quince may not be a first rounder uh, at the end of his career but yep. good uh, good boy anyway uh but anyway yeah it's kind of interesting to see how many of those guys even in 2003 that you probably had a minimum of 10 guys maybe 12 out of those 30 that boy teams really wish they had that pick back Yep. Every every do-over. year has
0: them, though. Every year has them. Maybe not as high of a number as 12 or more, but right. every year has at least a few. 04 um, was the big year. I, w- I looked through 04, and aside from the obvious kind of names of Ovechkin or Malkin or anybody like that, yeah. there's a lot of names in there that either you've never heard of or didn't live up. <laughs> I mean through all rounds not yeah. just round 1. So right. 04 was the was the hard one to redraft a little bit just because it's like once you remove a guy from the first round in the redraft process you got to have somebody to to jump up and fill that right? right and who do you put. So in my redraft process your my I, there's going to be some names where you for example may not agree um, and then some names that have been left in round 1 um, that you may take that you, for example, may take out, but I left them cause it, I looking through, I didn't see anybody else to, to put there. So Are we do
1: an Oh four and Oh five today.
0: Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay. But we'll keep it moving just to, yeah. just to run through. You know what let's do? Let's just go
1: with like in, you know, the first one was, was Washington. That was Ovechkin. I'm sure that's not going to change And Pittsburgh's Malkin and that's not going to change. Uh, but in, instead of reading through and then going back start where where the team picked and who they got and if you want to take that guy out give me give me who they
0: should have had so the 04 draft uh was an interesting one um not a lot of names that are recognized um so it was one of those drafts where everybody that was taken in the first round belonged in the first round every recognizable name not everyone but every recognizable name like wheeler and ovechkin and all that yeah belonged in the first round right. so there it is so uh to stick with your the process that you uh suggested we'll we'll just go team by team take their original pick mm-hmm. and whether or not we'd keep it there or switch it uh to keep it moving so washington pittsburgh won two they took ovechkin malkin i think we both agree that those names stay at one, two, correct. Yep, for sure. Okay, three. Chicago took Cam Barker. I have them. I s- switched it, and I had them taking Blake Wheeler. Yeah, I would too. Um, Cam Barker lives here in Trout Creek, by the way. But yep, I heard that. Uh,
1: anyway, yeah, I, I would. Uh, Wheeler Wheeler has to go to the top of that uh, of
0: the class. Four, Carolina. I had uh, they took Andrew Ladd. I had them taking Devin Dubnik. Yeah. Read. Five, uh, Phoenix or Arizona. Um, they took Blake Wheeler. I just moved him up to, to three to Chicago. Um, so I have uh, Arizona taking David Krejci. Can't argue with that. Uh, New York Rangers at six took Al Montoya. I have them taking Pecorine. Definitely. Florida uh, took... R- uh, Rostislav Oles Rusty Oles. <laughs> Um I have them in the redraft. Taken Alex Radulov. Another name. Mm. Another name that whether or not he belongs in the first round, he's yeah. there just because there's not a lot of recognizable. There are so names. many
1: guys in uh, in this draft that you would move to the first round that would not be any. They'd be third and fourth rounders in most of the other drafts.
0: Yep. Columbus, they took Alex Picard. Yep. I have them taken Andrew Ladd.
1: Yeah, I mean Ladd's had a good career and everything, uh, and he's probably in there. I mean the only the only changes you might make there is if you wanted to throw Corey Schneider, yeah. he, he might move up uh, to that
0: spot. But Anaheim at number nine took Ladislav Smead. I have them. I have in the, them in the redraft taken Drew Stafford. Yeah, I suppose so. Atlanta took ten, uh, drafted tenth. They took Boris Valabeek. <laughs> who? Um, I have who them taking it? Travis Zajac in the redraft. Yeah. Then you have uh, L.A. They took Laurie Tolkienen. I have them taking Mike Green. Yeah, and that would be probably the last. I I
1: I wouldn't. I couldn't possibly go past 10 or 11 with what was in the top end of this draft. I'm down into the way low guys. That's how you did it. And it's
0: no disrespect to the lower round guys. Uh, That's how you did it. I did it where I took the names that I felt deserved first round, moved them up. And then to fill spots, I kept some names just lower in the first round. That's how I did it. But Minnesota at the 12th pick took AJ Thalen or Thalen, however you pronounce that again. Who's that? Um, In the redraft, I have them taking Alex Edler. Yeah, Edler was...
1: Edler's a good, solid choice. Still around. I mean, if you got a guy that was drafted in 04 and he's still knocking
0: around. Buffalo took Drew Stafford at 13. Um, In the redraft, I have them taking Alex Goligoski.
1: Goligoski's a good pick. I I would have probably Sekera in there. Um, Maybe
0: Callahan, but yeah. Edmonton took... uh, Devin Dubnik at 14, I have them taking Johan Franzen. Franzen had a good career. Nashville took Rajiloff, Alex Rajiloff at fifteen. I have them taking Ryan Callahan. Yep. Um, no matter your no matter your feelings on this next guy, I have him here just to fill a spot to be quite honest, if I'm if I'm being fair and honest. Uh, the Islanders took Patrik Nokalainen. Yep. I have them taking Dubinsky. Brandy Dubinsky, uh, St. Louis took M- Merrick Schwarz at 17. In my redraft, I have them taking uh, Ladislav Smeed. I wouldn't. Uh, I would drop. I dropped Sne-
1: Smeed's name clear off the list. I if you're going with. I was going to. Bin- he was
0: another name where he, where he was a recognizable name, and compared to the other names in later rounds, who I felt deserved to be in the first round, I kept him there. So.
1: I would have probably thrown Soderberg in for the strength of his career.
0: Yeah, uh, Soderberg, maybe even Blake Como. Yep, but um, but yeah. So we did it differently. I guess that's the fun of it—is you do it differently. But um, anyway, Mo- Montreal at eighteen took Kyle Chipchura. I have them taking an Anton Kudobin. Good solid
1: solid career for Kudobin actually kind of resurrected career now.
0: Yeah. Uh, the Rangers at 19 took Laurie Korpikoski. I have them, um, and this is debatable. He's had an okay career, but it's fallen off. But I kept him uh, I, in the redraft. I have them taking Corey Schneider.
1: Yeah, I would probably... Uh, Schneider belongs in the first round of this draft. Um, I, I'm i probably down to... I had Schneider going higher, so I'm probably down in uh, to... Um, Roughly Troy Brower yeah. going in that
0: spot. New Jersey yeah. took uh, at 20, took Travis Zajac. I have them taking
1: Dave Boland. Yeah, Dave, Dave Boland was an interesting case. He had yeah. like two or three really good years on a very, very good Chicago team and then
0: vanished. Yeah. Colorado at 21 took uh, Wojtek Volsky. I kept Volsky in that spot. Did you? I did. What what he contributed to the Avalanche, um, and the impact in his career, no matter how short, um, I kept him not only in the first round, but I kept him kept him in the twenty first slot to Colorado. So, uh, San Jose at twenty two took uh, Lucas Caspar. <laughs> I uh, I have them in the redraft. Taken Mark Fistrick.
1: Yeah, he's you know he stuck around, but meh. I, I I definitely I mean as soft it's hard as this it's hard to do the it's hard,
0: it's hard to do the redraft with you just because not that not that I'm too nice but it's but you are you'll you'll slash and cut if you if you listen to him talk he'll slash and cut a lot so um, but anyways I've just I first round picks are a treasure
1: and uh, there's some of these guys that even though, you know, guys like Fistrick had hundreds of games in the show, I just cannot bring myself and I didn't mean any disrespect to anybody. Can't bring myself to
0: to put him in the first round. So now we're getting into the realm um, that I was talking about um, of names that shouldn't technically be in the first round. um, But I kept there just to fill it out (laughs) for the sake of getting it done and filling it out. So, Bear with me. Obviously, I, I know you won't agree, and the listeners may or may not agree either, but I kept him there just for the sake of filling it out. So, Ottawa took Andre Mazaros. I have them taking Chipchura, Kyle Chipchura. I'd have probably stuck with Mazaros. Obviously. I I debated Chiptura yeah. or dropped Mazaros just down. Uh, Mazaros I still have in the first round, but I dropped him. Just a little bit, um, but it, it could have been Shatura or Mazzaros. Calgary took Chris Chucko. I to have them taking Merrick Merrick Schwartz again. So you again you did bear, keep some of your first round. Again, a lot of ba- first bear rounders. with me. I'm yeah. just I'm just filling it out at this point. Just because I didn't see, you could make the argument for Blake Coma or Carl Soderberg or certain names, but aside from them, I just I didn't see a whole lot of names through the 0-4 draft that. You even in a redraft for fun situation, you could justify moving up. So, I either delete those name the these certain names and leave those spots blank for the sake of making a point, or I just fill it out and just drop the names lower in the round, which is what I did. So, have you put Gulgowski in yours yet? Yeah, he's at oh. he's at Buffalo in the okay. earlier okay. round. Gotcha. Okay. Earlier in the round. So, uh, so again, bear with me. Edmonton yep. uh, took Rob Shrimp. I have them taking Jeff Schultz. Vancouver, Corey Schneider. I have them taking Laurie Korpikoski. Washington took Jeff Schultz. Um, again, uh, I have them taking Andre Mazzaros. Mazzaros and Chip Chura could flip. But yep. um, Dallas took Mark Fistrick. I t- have them taking Lucas Kaspar. Again, just filling out names here. Okay. Um, Washington had Mike Green. I have them taking Rob Shrimp. And Tampa Bay had Andy Rogers. And in the redraft, I have them taking Lori Tolkien. So there's the 04 draft for me. Again, take it with a grain of salt because a lot of those names, um, if done in a, any type of serious capacity, would be removed from the first round, yeah. even if it meant certain selections were left blank. I but I threw
1: Versteeg into my first round for the sake of filling
0: into mine for the sake of filling it out. That's how I did it. So you know, again, take it with a grain of salt.
1: Anyway, I I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to put Grabowski in the first round, Mike Grabowski, but yeah. (laughs) so Everybody's anyway
0: oh3 anyway, that was the 0304 draft and redraft hope you enjoyed it i know um part of the redraft process is everybody it's subjective everybody does it differently um everybody has their own selections and who they'd move up who they'd move down um but that's the 0304 for war room the hockey podcast um again not a lot to look forward to in the coming week um Except hopefully in the coming weeks, things start to resolve and we can get back to normal a little bit with not only hockey and playoffs and the push for the cup, but also the off season and just regular life getting back to normal. So that's what I'm Amen looking forward to, to, to not just in the coming week, but weeks, plural. So anyway, uh, thank you. Uh, to all the listeners for tuning in and your patience through all of this, again, I can't say that enough, uh, through not only our technical difficulties over the weeks, um, but also everything that's going on currently, we appreciate it, and we appreciate you continuing to tune in. Uh, you're the driving force behind what we do. We can't thank you enough. So um, head to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's at War in the Hockey Podcast, War in the Hockey Podcast, and at War Hockey, respectively. Make sure you head to www.warroomhockey.com, where you can also catch the latest episodes of the podcast. Make sure you head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you subscribe, you rate and review. Um, return. Be ready uh, for tomorrow um, for the drop of the developmental podcast episode. And uh, thank you for joining in the studio this week again. My pleasure. Appreciate it. I'm Evan Rauer with War Room Hockey Podcast, and I will see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers.